0: so good to be in the house of the Lord this morning. I want to thank God that we have this heritage that we have in our nation, South Africa. So I was uh, reminding people that it's heritage there. You must dress up according to, you know, your traditional gear attire. And uh, the, the closest thing I could get to for me was woolies. Uh, that's my traditional heritage. Uh, Woolworths is also part of our heritage. So um, we'll uh, see that next time maybe I move something closer to my brother Matt over there. Yeah, that's, that's looking proper, proper. And Americans also in the house. Let's give them a round of applause. Americans in the house. Uh, I think the, the, the outfit that gets it today is my brother Brian at the back. Can you please wave, Brian? That's awesome. I mean, look at that. And Brian's son had one also. In the first service, we had, a, we had a little boy, Michael Daniel Detroit. He was wearing um, uh, flags of different nations, and he says, I am every nation. <laughs> I tell you, I tell you, watch Facebook. It's going to be going I am every nation. I'm putting Michael out there, you know. I am every nation. So as a family, as Pastor Roger said, we celebrate each and every one that comes to this house. This is your home. Amen. When we talk about bless the city, we are part of something big that God is doing in our city. And the question we've been asking ourselves as we do this mini-series, we're saying, who did you bless this week? looking for opportunities to bless the people of our city and to bless our city. And this last week, I had an opportunity to pop in at our Malibongwe uh, Women in Training program. And as I popped in, I was just blown away by one of the volunteers there, Susan Crosby, who's giving of her time and talents unto the Lord, saving this woman. I could see just the devotion and the commitment that was in her, and I was really blessed by that. So we all have opportunities to bless others. Amen. Remember Abraham. God said to Abraham, I have called you. I will bless you so that you can be a blessing. And all the peoples of the world will be blessed through you, Abraham. And we are heirs of Abraham. So it was on Friday, I um, was at w Zero with uh, some of the guests that were here for the campus conference. And while we were there, Zero, I could notice the lady was saving us, that the Holy Spirit started impressing things in my spirit about her. And in moments like those, you know, like you have a choice to be obedient and share with them what God is impressing or you can just skip it to yourself. At that moment, I thought to myself, you know, there's no harm in offering to pray for someone. And then I said, can I pray for you? And she agreed that we pray for her. And as I started praying, what the Lord had impressed in my spirit was just what she's facing at work, some of the challenges she's facing at work. And she started becoming emotional. And I could see that God was ministering to her. And after that, she also said, thank you. I appreciate that you shared that with me. I needed to hear that word. At that moment, she said, I, God bless you. When she said, God bless you, I realized that it is in giving that we are blessed. It is in being a blessing to others that we are also blessed. Amen. That's why Scripture says, I will bless you so that you can be a blessing. We felt so blessed that we blessed this woman. Amen. Blessing is a projection of good unto others. It is a projection of good unto others. So when we go out there, let us look for opportunities to bless with words. Listen to the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is constantly speaking. It's whether we are attentive to what He's saying. Let us eat with someone I love this one. You notice myself and Pastor severe. we love this one, you know? Um, Pastor Roger and I were still working on that one, eating with other people. Serve with love. Let's serve. Let's find opportunities to serve. And I'm going to speak a little bit more about this later. Salt one, it means you start conversations. You ask questions. You listen. Listen to people. That's an area we can grow in. We are so quick to sharing our stories, but let's listen to people. Let's listen to people's stories because it is in listening that we can hear what the Holy Spirit wants to say to them. And then finally, tell the story. Tell your story and tell his story. Tell Jesus' story. I don't know if you notice that whenever you share your story, people can argue whatever they want to argue about religion, about philosophy, but they cannot argue with a changed life. They cannot argue. When I say this is who I was before I met Christ and this is who I am in Christ. How do you argue with that? You cannot argue with a transformed life. So as we do this series, today we're focusing on my heart matters. Our hearts matter to God. God looks at us and He says, guys, what troubles you, what pains you, it matters to me. And we're going to look at a scripture that speaks of that, that when God looks at us, He has compassion over us. There's a compassion that drives Him. My hope is that through this message, we will have compassion for our city, and that compassion will compel us to reach our communities. Scripture says that the love of Christ compels us to share the good news. So that the love of Christ, let the love of Christ compel us. Our prayer is that, Lord, make us workers in the city for your kingdom. Make us workers, make us those who will have compassion for the city of Johannesburg. Make us those who, when we pray, when we go on our knees, we look at the city and we say, God, we know you've got a purpose for the city. So I want to share with you a few things that are positive about Joburg. We hear a lot of negatives, but let us bless the city. It was in 2010, myself and Pastor Roger, we met with the mayor of Johannesburg, and he shared with us his vision to see Johannesburg as a world-class African city. And we believe and trust that we can get to that place, to be a world-class African city. Let me give you some of the names of Johannesburg that we are familiar to. Johannesburg is also called Joburg or Joyburg. The joy of the Lord is in this place. It is Joburg or Joyburg. Joburg is also called Josie. I don't know what it means, but it sounds anointed. (laughs) It's just powerful, Josie. Joburg is also known as Egoli place of gold. That is why we say we're transforming the city of gold to the city of God. We're transforming the city of gold to the city of God. Jobek is also known as khauteng Maboneng. When I grew up, when my parents say we're going to khauteng the city of lights. Everyone is excited when you go to khauteng the city of lights. That is what it means. So this morning, let's look at some of the positive things and then we'll go to scripture. Jobek is over 120 years old. Yet, it is still one of the youngest major cities in the world. I don't know if you knew, 120. Joburg is the second biggest city in Africa after Cairo. They just overtook us. We were the biggest. And just recently, they overtook us. Having been to Cairo, I don't complain because I know the traffic is terrible. Krishani Baragwanath Hospital is the largest acute hospital in the world, close to 3,000 beds. Some great things about Joburg. Joburg is the world's biggest man-made forest. I don't know if you notice when you travel over Joburg, there are certain places where you don't see houses or buildings, all you see is trees. And that actually is good for us because it helps us with the greenhouse effect and also to reduce noise. Joburg has the best weather in the world. Did you notice we just skipped spring straight into summer? You know, that's how we roll here in Joburg. So, my brother Rob, welcome back home. You know, Rob is in Texas currently. He used to be an elder here. So, I'm just reminding him what is missing being here. You know, the greatest treasure of our city is the people. We are known to be the most friendly people in the world. Don't you agree with that? We're talking about ourselves. (laughs) There's also a town called Johannesburg in California. I know this may sound just like trivia, but they didn't just come up with a name. It's people who moved out of Joburg to California, and they started a town called Johannesburg. We're influencing the world. There is a Soweto in Namibia. And to add just a cherry on top, there's a team called Casey Chiefs in Namibia. No Orlando Pirates. Okay, let's go to the word. Let's go to the word. We are turning the city of gold to the city of God. We're transforming our city through discipleship. Because we love God, we love people, and we love our city. It is through loving God and loving people that we can see our city transformed. So as I share this word with you this morning, may our hearts burn with compassion for the city. Even though Johannesburg may be known as one of the most dangerous cities in the world, we go on our knees and we pray this will change. We go on our knees and we trust that this will change, that crime will come down, that corruption will come down. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's read Matthew chapter 9 from verse 35. Matthew chapter 9 from verse 35. If you have your Bibles, you can open with me there so we can read Scripture together. Reading from verse 35, And Jesus went throughout all the cities and villages, teaching in their synagogues and proclaiming the gospel of the kingdom and healing every disease and every affliction, When he saw the crowds, he had compassion for them because they were harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. Verse 37, then he said to his disciples, the harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. Therefore, pray earnestly to the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into his harvest. Then Jesus acted on this. Jesus called his 12 disciples to him. And He gave them authority to drive out impure spirits and to heal every disease and sickness. Let us pray. Father, as we look into Your Word, I pray that You will lead us and guide us. Bless us this morning as we study Your Word. In Jesus' name, amen. There are certain phrases that we see in this portion of Scripture. As we read it, I want us to look at these phrases and say, what is God saying to us through this? We don't just read scripture for the sake of reading it and say, okay, I went to church. But what is God saying to us? The first phrase there is, as Jesus was going through cities and villages, he had a goal. He had a mission. There was something that he was taking across. Jesus was proclaiming the gospel of the kingdom. And this morning, I want to give you this distinction between the gospel of salvation and the gospel of the kingdom. We need both. Amen. We need the gospel of salvation that transforms lives, that says Jesus died on the cross so that we can be transformed, so that we can live a life of victory. But we also need the gospel of the kingdom, and I'll come to that just now. The other phrase that I want us to look at this morning is, when he saw the crowds, he was moved with compassion. When he saw the crowds, he didn't just say, oh, you know these people are just wasting my time. He looked at them, and he was moved with compassion. And another phrase I want us to look at is because they were harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. And what is his solution? He says, the harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. And he says, pray to the Lord of the harvest. And then in, in chapter 10, remember when the Bible was written, there were no chapters and verses. So when it was written, Jesus continues to say, once you have prayed, I want to model this to you. You need to go make disciples. And he starts by calling the 12 to himself. And then he says, guys, like I'm doing, you should do the same. Jesus called his 12 disciples to him and he sent them. In Luke 10 verse 2, the same phrase is repeated again. And Jesus is appointing now the 72 and he's sending them away. And he also says again, the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. Ask the Lord of the harvest, therefore, to send out workers to his harvest field. Aren't you happy that the scripture says it is his harvest field? So it means even the people who are not yet here in the kingdom of God are his harvest. He loves them the same way that he loves you and I. He died for them on the cross the same way that he died for you and I. So when you hear us talking about having a love for the city, having a love for the people of the city and sharing the good news with them, it is because it is his harvest. They are his people just as we are His people. So the first thing I want us to look at this morning is His kingdom. The gospel of His kingdom. The gospel of salvation transforms life. The gospel of His kingdom is for us to take the kingdom of God into all areas of society. The best way to put it is, it's God's rule on earth. Wherever the Lord Jesus Christ reigns, there you have the kingdom of God. This is true. Whether Jesus reigns, in the life of an individual, a group, a city, or a nation. We are all called to bring the gospel of the kingdom in all areas of society. We are all called to trust God for unique solutions to the challenges that are facing our society today. We are all called to say, God, we we are facing unemployment. How can we transform? How can we change things to make things better? On Friday, I was sitting with a good friend of mine who has been praying and trusting God for ideas to address unemployment in our nation. I was so blown away by some of the things that the Lord is revealing to him. Because we are quick just to say, you know, I need another job. I need to move from one company to another. But have you prayed about what God wants you to do to solve the problems of our nation? You may just be the solution to bring the kingdom of God in your area. Of influence, You may just be the one called to find these unique solutions, groundbreaking research to bring change to our society. So when we talk about the kingdom of God, we're talking about his rule and reign in all areas of society, not just in the church. If you read Ezekiel 47, the Bible speaks about a vision that a prophet had. The prophet saw himself in the temple, and there was water like a river of God flowing from the temple into the city. What is most amazing is the fact that he says that when you move from the temple and go into the city, the water level is rising. Because revival is not meant to be in the four walls of the church. Revival is meant to be out there in the city. Revival is meant to be out there when we need Christ the most. We come here to be revived, but we need to take it to the city. Let the water level rise in our city, Johannesburg. Let the water level rise. This is the part I want to focus on this morning. Jesus was moved with compassion. When Jesus saw the multitudes, he was moved with compassion. When we see the city of Joburg, what do we see? When we see the people of Josie, what do we see? Compassion will move us to action. And if there's no action... It's because there's no compassion. If there's no action, it's because we are not moved with compassion. When Jesus saw the people, he didn't just say, Oh, guys, what's your problem? He was moved with compassion. I went to the Greek. I mean, you know that the Bible was written in the Greek. And as I was looking at the, the, the New Testament was written in the Greek, I was looking at this definition of the word compassion. And the Greek word, even though sometimes we don't get the pronunciation right, uh, there's a guy who's Greek in the church who always corrects us. He says, you didn't pronounce that right. So yesterday, a consultant, I, I sent him a, a message. I said, I want to know how to pronounce this word. Let me read it for you. This word is called splach zome zome I mean, he was trying to explain it to me like, this is a powerful word, and what it means, it means to be moved in the inward parts. It's to be moved in your bowels. So compassion means that something happens on the inside of you when you see people dying, when you see the lost are dying. Compassion will cost you something. So this word, I hope you remember that, He said to me, by the way, this guy, if you can speak Afrikaans, you can speak this. Because, you know, Afrikaans is such an anointed language. You can speak this. It means that we are moved from the inside. Because compassion will cost us something. I like how Craig Rochelle puts it. He says, to say that you care but not act is not to care at all. To say that you care but not act is not to care at all. Let me bring it close to home. By clicking like on Facebook, it's not caring. When you've liked something that's happened, it doesn't mean that you're caring. We see the needs all the time, and we think that just because I click like, I care. No. Caring is doing something about it. Caring is stepping out of your comfort zone and doing something about it. So when we see the people of Jobric, what do we do? That has been moved with compassion. When we have compassion, what I like about it is not only does it change the other person's life, the one that you've blessed, it also changes you. It also does something to you. Compassion will move you to action. I like this other phrase. Jesus says, they were like sheep without a shepherd. I don't know if you ever noticed how sheep without a shepherd do foolish things. (laughs) These are some of the foolish things that sheep without a shepherd do. So you don't want to be like this sheep. Jesus saw the people who were... Without a shepherd. Just like Charles Spurgeon was saying, what do you see? Jesus saw them without a shepherd. The reason they were without a shepherd, they missed the point. In John chapter 10, the Bible says, Jesus is saying, I am the good shepherd. So they had ignored the good shepherd. They had ignored the shepherd who came to die for us on the cross. So they were like sheep without a shepherd. But the point I want to bring to us this morning is this. The guys were harassed and helpless while Jesus was around them. As Christians, there are times when we are harassed and helpless while we have the Savior with us. Think about the people in the world. They are harassed and helpless because they have ignored the shepherd. And for us as Christians, the reason why we are, at times we are harassed and helpless is because of sin in our lives. It is not because someone else has done anything to us. It is because we are the ones who are not living according to the way God wants us to live. And there are times that we are harassed and helpless because of the negative things that we believe about ourselves. And that's not what God says about us. At a campus conference, I was challenged by one of the speakers. He said that, you know, the reason we are insecure is because we focus on ourselves and not on God. It is because we... Constantly, so much looking on ourselves and forgetting who God says we are. So, I want to challenge you this morning. Let us ponder, let us think about who God says we are. As Jesus is speaking to us and saying, Guys, I don't want you to be harassed and helpless. I was just reflecting on this on Wednesday. My wife and I, we have this practice of just spending time with the girls, our kids before they go to bed and we pray with them, and we uh, read the word with them. And my wife has introduced something. Uh, She asks them, how are you doing emotionally? Now, that's very deep. You don't ask our son, boy, guys, you ask them, how are you doing emotionally? Just like, you know, not in touch with emotions. But our girls are so in touch with their emotions, and our daughter starts sharing how she's doing. And then I follow up with a question, and I say, what do you think about our love for you? And this is what she said. She said, Dad, I think you love my sister more than me. I mean, up to that point, I thought I have been the world's greatest dad. I thought I was like the best thing since sliced bread or since technology. Sliced bread doesn't apply anymore. I thought I was the best thing and it just cut deep. It was like, ouch, and I kept my tears to myself. I was like, can you give me some examples? What do you mean that I love your sister, mother, than you? She started giving me some examples, and uh, I apologized, and I was like being stoic and trying to hold it inside. But as I was walking out the door with my wife, <laughs> you know, those moments, I was like, Because <laughs> that cut deep. The point is, I love my girls. I love my children. There's no one who's more favorite favorite than the other. But the following morning, I was thinking about this, and I thought how many of God's children fall into the trap of thinking that others are loved more than them? How many of us, we think that others are loved more than we are loved? In God, there are no favorites. We are all favorites. In God, we are all favorites. Amen. We are all favorites. He calls us the apple of his eyes. He says, I have loved you with an everlasting love. He says you are a royal priesthood, a holy nation. He loves us so much. But let's take it one step further. What about those who do not know Him who have not experienced this love? What about them? What are we saying about them? What do we do about them? I have so much compassion for the people of the city who do not know Christ. That's why Scripture says the harvest is plentiful. The harvest it's not a change membership drive. It is to bring back the lost souls to the Father. We're not about how many people come to church. We're not about that. Yes, we want to see people come to church, but we're about restoring the lost to the Father. We want to see the lost nations of this world come to the Father. We're about seeing those who do not know Him come to Him. Interestingly, it says, The harvest is plentiful. The laborers are few. The problem is not the harvest. The problem is the laborers. The problem is the workers. We as the workers, we need to pray and say, Lord, make us workers to the harvest field. God's solution to the problem, he says, is to pray. And this is my last point for us this morning. Therefore, pray earnestly to the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into his harvest. Therefore, pray earnestly to the Lord of the harvest to, 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 to send out workers. Some of you may know this. Uh, we have this initiative where we, we, we put on our phones, Matthew 9.38. So at 9.38 a.m. or p.m., we put a reminder to pray for God to send us workers. But we're taking it one step further. We're not just praying that Lord send the workers, but God make us workers. God, make me a worker into your kingdom. God, make me a worker into your harvest. That should be our prayer. Our prayer should be, Lord, give me opportunities to share the gospel. I've said this before, I'll say it again. When we pray for opportunities, God gives us opportunities. It's what we do with those opportunities. Lord, make us workers for the harvest field that are there. There are people in your lives who will hear the gospel only from you, not from, not in, from no one else. Only from you, from no one else. So the first place is to pray. It is through prayer that God will move us with compassion for those people. It is through prayer that we will, our hearts will break with the things that break the heart of God. On the 14th of July this year, I was teaching at a evangelism training that Pastor Temba put it together in Durban. And I noticed on the speaker's sheet that I was speaking right before Michael Cassidy. So if you don't know who Michael Cassidy is, I mean, Michael Cassidy is a larger-than-life personality. I mean, he's played such a significant role in the reconciliation of South Africa. We have one of his books in our bookshop. I'll encourage you to get a witness forever. The role that he played leading up to uh, the 1994 elections to bring reconciliation between the leaders as they were grappling with Cordessa on this side, he was helping them to build relationships together. And Michael Cassidy being there... As I was speaking, I was just blown away that someone that I look up to, a role model, was there. And when I finished preaching, he, I call an altar call for people who want to be prayed for to grow in the gift of evangelism. And he comes up for prayer. I'm like, you coming up for prayer? When I'm preaching, I'm like, Tamba, can you sort that out? Can you handle that? Can you please pray for that brother? I took a picture even like, I couldn't do a selfie. It will not look right. I took a picture of Timber praying for Michael Cassidy. I was just blown away by that moment, the humility of the man. And you take that picture that I've just given you of the humility of this man. And I want to tell you a story that he shared with us that morning about evangelism. So he said he was invited to uh, preach at a crusade that started Monday, ending on Friday. And day one, the hall was not full. Day two, the hall was not full. No one got saved. And the pastor who called the crusade went to Michael and said, Young man, you better produce. Where are the souls? And Michael Cassidy said, Hey, I'm I'm not the Lord of the Harvest, but if we can pray together and trust God to bring in the harvest, let's see what God will do. He says, I challenge you, can we spend the night praying through the night and see what God will do? Guess what? They prayed through the night the following day, the hall was packed. There was no room for people to sit, enough room for people to sit. He called an altar call. There were so many people that there, there were not enough ushers and altar counselors, workers, to receive these people. Now, the pastor was so embarrassed, but he knew at that time, do not underestimate the power of prayer. Do not underestimate the power of prayer. And that's where we're going with this, saints, is that if we want to have compassion for our city, we need to go on our knees. If we want to have compassion for our city, these four things are important. Let our hearts burn with His kingdom. Let our hearts burn with His compassion. Let our hearts burn with His harvest. And let's go on our knees to pray. So we want to give you an opportunity to serve our city. This week, we trust in God that as we listen to the Holy Spirit, He'll give us opportunities to serve the people with love the mayor of Joburg is calling for a Clean the City campaign. You know, even before he announced that, we're already praying to do the Bless the City. The last Saturday of every month where people can come together in our communities and bless the city by cleaning the city. So we want to encourage you to join us and urge you to join us for an hour next week, Saturday, in your connect groups with your families or colleagues, whoever you can rally around. And let's find a place where you can go and clean the city. If it's not going to clean the city, maybe you can go for a prayer walk and pray for the city. Just take an hour and let's see what God will do with that prayer. Let's see what God will do. And we want to just celebrate the city. And we want to take a picture and put it on Facebook, Instagram, whichever social media, and say, bless the city. You don't even need to write the name Every Nation because it's about blessing the city. And we want to give uh, the most vibrant connect or group of people, Uh, coffee vouchers thanks to Discipleship Pastor. Jesse is uh, uh, funding those coffee vouchers. But the the reason we're doing this is we don't want to talk and preach on Sunday. We want to act because compassion will lead us to action. So find a place in your community where you can be a blessing. So as we pray, I want to give you an opportunity. If your heart has been hardened about the city, if your heart has moved away from the city, I want us to pray that God will give us compassion for the city and for the people of the city. Let us bow our heads and pray. Lord Jesus, we come before you. We humble ourselves before you, Father. We acknowledge you as the King of kings and the Lord of lords. We remind ourselves that this is your harvest field, Father. We pray that, God, you work on our hearts. Change our hearts, Father God, so we can be able to see Joburg differently, Father God, not in the way that we've seen it before. Like when Jesus looked at the people, he had compassion on them. Father, give us compassion for the city, we pray. We ask this in the name of Jesus. And everybody said, Amen.